Hello, my name is Adrian Goldberg and welcome to Byline Radio or if you're listening on Catch Up to the Byline Times podcast. The Byline Times is what the papers don't say, what radio doesn't report and what telly doesn't tell you. This time, Donald Trump and the truly terrifying one-armed salute given by hundreds of people at a Save America rally when the former president was on stage at the weekend. It wasn't quite the full Sieg Heil because those who took part extended their index fingers as well as their arms. But parallels with those old Laney Riefenstahl propaganda movies were as terrifying as they were unavoidable. There are, it seems, a significant number of Americans willing to embrace the idea of unquestioning obedience to an authoritarian figure, which to the rest of us sounds pretty close to fascism. We'll be exploring the cult of Trump with Heidi Kuda from the Radicalised Pod. First, though, just a reminder that Byline Radio and the Byline Times podcast are funded by subscriptions to the Byline Times, our wonderful monthly newspaper. It has the best of our online articles and plenty of material that is exclusive to the print edition. No one tells us what to say. There is no millionaire backer, no corporate interest pulling our strings because we are funded by ordinary subscribers, people like you. So please subscribe if you can to the Byline Times. You'll get full details on how to subscribe over at our website, bylinetimes.com. That's at bylinetimes.com. The place was Youngstown, Ohio. The event, a Save America rally. The gesture baffling as former president donald trump listed what he regards as the foreign policy failures of his successor joe biden against a background of doomy music and warnings of world war three trump supporters raised their right arms in a gesture that looked disturbingly like a fascist salute this as the net of law enforcement closes in over his behavior leading up to the violence at the capitol in washington dc on the 6th of January last year, and after the discovery of classified documents in the safe of his Florida home at Mar-a-Lago following an FBI raid. Let's bring Heidi Kuder in now from the radicalised pardon. Heidi, let's go back to basics with this. But before we talk about the actual gesture, the apparent Sea Heil, what was the Save America rally? What's Trump up to at the moment? Well, even before we do that, I just want to send uh, lots of love to uh, the citizens of the UK. Um, today's a big day, and I feel that your queen was very loved and a very good woman, and I just want to give a loving shout-out. I know history will be very kind to her. Unlike men like Trump and Putin, history will not be kind to them because they are not good men. Um, you know, he's in Youngstown, Ohio, a city with an old mob history, Rust Belt, poverty, wealth. He's there for J.D. Vance, which is a Peter Thiel operation, someone who invested in Rumble, which is literally Russian propaganda, if you check it out. The reason I bring that up is it's important to set the stage. Everything for Trump is optics. We've talked about how this is his reality TV uh, sweet spot, and it's important to note when we talk about the crowd, we're talking dozens, hundreds, not quite the scale of the old timey uh, rallies that he had 150 or so during his um, tenure. 
And yes, he had his uh, Lini Riefenstahl moment after humiliating Vance by making some, you know, kind of gangster comment to him, which is what uh, dictators do. They like to make sure they kind of humiliate people. And then he gets up there and he does all his greatest hits, you know, Hunter Biden's laptop, rapey this, you know, uh, the stuff that he's been kind of doing and selling. Like nothing's new except that he is basically escalating things where he used to do a wink and a nod to QAnon conspiracy stuff. Now it's, you know, very overt. And so he got his, uh, you know, photo op, you know, naturally freaked a lot of people out. Um, There's a lot of people who take this uh, authoritarian and fascist capture very, very seriously. I'm one of them. But I also see this as desperation. He's not going to tell his dozens or, you know, a couple hundred of listeners about the, you know, half dozen investigations. He may try to say, oh, you know, the Justice Department is being weaponized against me to play his victim routine because that works pretty well. But he's not going to, you know, spell out the Georgia, New York, Congress, Jan 6, classified documents, investigations. This is a guy who's in profound trouble. And the one thing I say, uh, want to say, Adrian, is that we have been asking the wrong question about the people who follow him. We've continually for six years said, why do they believe him? Why do they believe this? And the question we needed to be asking this whole time is what are they getting in return? What are they getting out of this? And I just came to this realization yesterday, listening to this brilliant woman, Anthea Butler, um, lecture. They have this shared community. They have this, this shared enemy or enemies, depending on where Trump is aiming the needle in that moment. And those who have been psyoped by QAnon, many of them have been, uh, you know, traumatized and seen a lot of trauma videos and believe what they see and they have this community together. So we've just been asking, I think, the wrong question. And I wanted to make sure I didn't forget to say that. And what do we understand this strange salute? Some people did it with one arm. Some people, it should be acknowledged, did it with two arms. But there are people who are keen to portray Trump in a bad light. Not a difficult thing to do, I acknowledge, drawing comparisons with those old Nazi rallies. What the hell is this right arm and right index finger salute about? Well, some say it's a QAnon, where we go one, we go all. Some say it's America first. You know, it really depends who you ask. But what it was, was something that, you know, was an, if you look at the way he does things and he does his rallies, these are all highly produced. So this was a production. And, uh, and we're talking about it, aren't we? The media is not talking about the investigations, the classified documents, the fact that, you know, the January 6th committee is coming back and they're going to be following the money for sure, which is very, very um, critical because, you know, as we know, he raised a quarter million dollars off of what we call the big grift, you know, the big lie. And I think that we're going to be learning where some of that money went. 
And my friends who are very keyed into um, the investigations say that one of the things to really keep an eye on is uh, what's happening in Georgia. They believe that could be his quickest path to unfreedom. So, you know, depends on who you ask. But again, this is all about optics. It's the same thing when we, you know, aren't paying attention to all of the hits that our voting systems are taking or the people that are being put in place, uh, you know, within various states that uh, have power when it comes to elections. We're not really focusing on that when we're watching trickery from DeSantis or Abbott, or we're focusing on the new horrible thing that Marjorie Taylor Greene said. I, I can't say it enough. We're dealing with professional propagandists who are quite sophisticated at what they're doing. And it's all quite, you know, tied into, uh, if, if you get, if, again, if you look at like what I said early on, J.D. Vance, Peter Thiel, investing in something like Rumble. I ask anyone to go to Rumble and tell me if you're not looking at what appears to be Russian propaganda. Uh, many UK listeners, I suspect, may not know what Rumble is. It's a, it's a video platform, essentially. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, so so again, like we can't sort of talk about Trump without talking about what's happening with Putin, who appears to be losing a bit of a grip in his country and talking about what's happening with Mike Flynn, who is having all these documentaries coming out showing um, his involvement in what appeared to be military grade psyops. So. So that's what, you know, that's what this is. It's more propaganda and it's quite fitting that we call it, you know, it, it's like a Nuremberg rally, but without the mass numbers. Yeah, Mike Flynn, the former national security advisor. And I suppose in the psychology of both the United States and the United Kingdom, comparisons with Nazis are about as bad as it can get. It's a, it's yeah. a truly awful look. And you think if somebody is either encouraging this or condoning this, even if it's just about the optics, as you say, that's what, what Trump is obsessed with, with the look of things, then you would think that this would put off many people. Surely people whose forebears perhaps were victims of Nazi oppression in World War II or whose forefathers fought against the Nazis in World War II. Yeah, I mean, it's it's as awful as it gets. Uh, so all of this, in my mind, shows an escalation in that they're doing all of this openly. But what we are finding and what my colleagues on my show are finding is that the emotional tide has been turning away from Trump and the GOP. And so they're trying everything to distract from that reality. It is This is all born of desperation. And if you think about it, you know, Trump got essentially, you know, memed into office, right? That was a big part of it. You had the uh, make-believe show The Apprentice, Mark Burnett production, where they knew he was not some really fantastic, you know, self-made billionaire, that he had all these shady dealings, didn't pay people, crumbling, you know, infrastructure, being bailed out by you know, Russians who paid, you know, $50 million too much for a teardown, you know, the signs of that were everywhere. 
And so, you know, essentially we just found out, I think it was yesterday, the day before they put a number on how much Putin spent creating all this mind bending, $300 million. I'm sure that was not even close to what the reality is. But at the moment, what's happening in the real world is Biden's just checking everything off his to-do list. His approval numbers are up. Women are registering to vote in surging crazy numbers. Turns out, you know, overturning a row was not such a great idea. You know, you can look at what happened in Kansas. You can watch another Peter Thiel operation, Blake Masters, you know, wiping his website to try to soften the uh, wording on the anti-abortion stuff. So, so this is... This is, these are desperate times, but that's why we get these distractions. And that's why we get governors, you know, doing something as cruel as sending uh, people, uh, you know, uh, out of state where actually they're, they're uh, treated quite nicely. But that's what we're talking about. So he's selling fear, just as Putin has been selling fear. It's always about projection. And quite frankly, he should be the one living in fear. He's under criminal investigation for espionage and treason and being at the center of an insurrection and withholding top secret documents, you know. And he's been at this for a really long time. All we have to do is look at the anti-NATO ads that he took out in major publications back in the 80s, read any of Craig Unger's books or articles, look at all the condos he sold to Russians. And this has been somebody who, you know, has certainly the appearance of being a Russian asset for some time. He's not really controlling the narrative anymore, but the reason he pulls these stunts like he did a few weeks ago where he was just posting all this crazy 4chan stuff on his uh, Russian propaganda or his own propaganda site, quote unquote, Truth Social, He's doing this because, you know, we're talking about him and he needs us talking about him. He needs us distracted. And he also needs to feed the addiction of his cult. We talked a little bit about um, my friend, Dr. Stephen Hassan's book, Cult of Trump. And so many cult leaders are essentially charlatans, many of them in and out of prison, who find another way to profit off of people. But it's, you know, I'm sad that people are still believing this man. But I also think that the tide is turning away from him. Numbers are shrinking. Even if you look at the amount of activity uh, on his posts, on his propaganda platform, it's quite small. So I think it's important. You know, I've been thinking so much about this. I keep on picturing Wizard of Oz. And I just keep on seeing terrible laws, scaring everybody, fear and trickery. And what's behind the curtain but a scared little man. And that is, that is the framework I see for him. And quite frankly, that is the framework I'm starting to see for Putin. We have seen a lot of indicators that there could be elite defection happening, which I learned from my friend Ruth Ben-Ghiat is one of the first things that you start to uh, see happen before a dictator falls. And so um, I, just, I just think it's important that rather than just have that kind of that shock and that horror, which is normal, it's, it's, a, it's a horrible thing to see, right? It's terrible. 
Um, it's also good to frame it as, you know, escalation of desperation. Yeah. And of course, Trump's whole career, and one might draw a parallel here with Boris Johnson, has been built on overcoming apparent implausibility. Surely he can't do that and get away with it. Surely he can't say that and get away with it. And yet all through Trump's career, certainly until the last presidential election, certainly through Boris Johnson's career, there has been this critical mass of people willing to suspend their disbelief and buy into the cult of their leader. I'm going to come back to the Nazi salutes in a minute, Heidi, but you touched on something which I think, again, may be news to some British listeners anyway, and I wouldn't say wasn't covered in the UK media, but it has, like pretty much every other news story, been obscured by the death of the Queen. This story from an FBI source that Russia has covertly spent $300 million to sway voters abroad. Now, obviously, in the United States, there's been the Mueller report into Russian involvement into US politics. In the United Kingdom, we've had our own Russian report, but a, a singular lack of curiosity about whether Russia spent money trying to sway elections in this country. And with Brexit very much in mind, the EU referendum very much in mind, this is further fuel to the fire, really, the idea that, that here in the UK we must be trying to establish exactly what happened in 2016 and the extent of Russian involvement in the political life of this country. We've already seen how deep the economic ties go to the point where London was renamed London Grad, a massive yeah. thing. Well, it's so important. I'm a big believer that truth prevails eventually, right? And I just celebrated my sixth anniversary of the moment that I pressed send on my first anti-Trump blog, which was September 17th at 3.02 p.m. Douchebaggery and other things I resigned from was the title. <laughs> and, and I have been among many of the people here that I'm looking at um, listening to us right now. I have been one of the frontline women who have relentlessly tried to push out truth during a time of mass deception. It's very encouraging that justice has caught up with all of us, uh, you know, activists and journalism activists and independent investigative reporters. It's also discouraging that the media is still acting like it's 2016. They aren't saying Russian spy Trump or Russian asset Trump or propagandist Trump. They say former president on Truth Social said they are still not framing things the way they need to be framed. And clearly, um, both of our countries have been convenient money laundering, uh, you know, assets for Russians and other uh, countries. And clearly that has become a huge problem. We have a major, major infection. We have a political party in America that wants Putin to win. And whether it's oil, which is who backs them, or whether it's bigotry, 
white supremacy, which unites them, or whether it's compromat or some kind of mix of all three, that's a huge problem. I would point everybody out to your recent podcast with Nafiz and Peter Jukes on uh, Liz Truss and the Robert Mercer connections, because we can't even have this conversation that we're having right now if we are not looking at people like Robert Mercer, who have invested so heavily in all of the things that are so destructive to liberal democracy in America and abroad. Of course, I would encourage people to listen to that podcast as well and, and look over at bylinetimes.com at Nafiz Ahmed's article. But the shorthand of that is is that the Mercer Foundation, Mercer being a, a right-wing Trump-supporting billionaire philanthropist, as uh, ultimately the source of money which has helped to fund a right-wing think tank in the UK called the Centre for Policy Studies, two of whose key members wrote the 2019 Conservative Manifesto. So you've got this line from right-wing, Trump-supporting, billionaire guy who opposes women's rights, workers' rights, and so on, all the way through to the Conservative Party, and links between that money and six members of Liz Truss's cabinet, including Liz Truss herself, and many people who surround that cabinet as well. So these links really are important and are well worth exploring and, and need to be explored further. And I think that was one of our, maybe our last podcast or our last but one pad podcast. So not too far back to go uh, to check it out. Talking of Trump, Heidi, you've mentioned a couple of areas where he's now very, very vulnerable. And we've spoken before about the January the 6th committee hearings and there seems to be a real determination, it seems to me, by the members of the committee to hold Trump properly to account for what happened on January the 6th, 2021. Yeah, they have built an incredible case, primarily with members of Trump's own party, that he was at the center of an insurrection, knowing that the people who showed up were armed. And so what are we to do about that, right? So I'm very pleased with uh, how methodically they have laid out and presented the facts. And I'm very excited that they're going to be following the money. And I would think that people who finance the insurrection, uh, I would advise them to get really good lawyers right now, because I think they're going to be, you know, we're seeing a lot of indictments going out. We're seeing a lot of subpoenas. We're seeing one of the architects of this propaganda, Steve Bannon, you know, uh, doing a perp walk. These are all things that we've all been waiting for for a long time. It's happening very fast. Whether or not it's going to happen in time to save our democracy, I do not know. Doing a perp walk, did you say? Yeah, a perp walk. <laughs> yeah, we got to see a Steve Bannon perp walk. I don't know if anybody read the original Build the Wall indictment that he was then ultimately pardoned for. But he's not a brilliant mastermind crimer. He left a lot of clues to how he was grifting off of Trump supporters and Trump's base, as were his colleagues. So um, unfortunately, these propagandists, and that is not a harsh enough word, and I've had different synonyms for it over time, but these people who are running large-scale subversion operations to harm 
our democracy still have bullhorns, still are able to spread their propaganda, still go out on their propaganda tours every week or like Trump his rallies. But I will tell you from the people that I work with and investigate with, the numbers are down. The excitement seems less. Unfortunately, what I'm also learning is that those who are still radicalized are really the extreme faction of true believers. And so that is an issue. Um, but I, I need to say something. I don't know how much time we have left, but there's something that I really have to talk about. It's almost like, you know, getting it off my chest. I did everything in my power to get to, to the Women's March in Washington, D.C. in 2017. I knew that the media was failing us in its coverage. I knew we had to have independent journalists present. I also knew what Trump's quote-unquote presidency was going to mean for women and many other people in this country, nothing good. And I also knew that there was something poisoning the narrative. Well, you know, a story broke yesterday in the New York Times where clearly uh, the Women's March, like many good things um, that have risen up organically in, in resistance to Trump, got infiltrated and narratives were poisoned. And right there out of Prigozhin's, you know, uh, St. Petersburg operation or Project Lotka, they basically um, were, you know, running Twitter accounts and basically poisoning the narrative of the Women's March. And I just... I just want to say that I was there in Washington and it was really glorious and really beautiful and people from all over the world knew that something terrible had happened and we knew that what had happened was not organic and we knew that something had been stolen from women across the world, the first female American president, and we were all there and men were there too. And I just want to say that what that thing was and what the resistance was in those early days was something very beautiful and something very real, that it got infiltrated by, by cheap tricks and people who needed to flip a buck and were willing to you know, get paid to poison narratives. Um, that's something else. But I just wanted to let people know that the reality of the Women's March for those who were there and those who weren't there, was, it, was, it was one of the most beautiful days in history. Um, and one of the biggest protest days in history. And I'm sorry that a, a mean little creep like Putin decided to poison that narrative, but uh, it was something quite beautiful. Mm, well, great to hear that. Uh, to go back to your perp walk, by the way, I just think uh, British listeners won't know that. Essentially, that means you've seen somebody either being convicted or taken up for trial. And, and Bannon has been convicted now, hasn't he, of contempt of Congress. I think he's been convicted on uh, two counts of that. So you're finally seeing Bannon as a perpetrator. That's really the satisfying thing. Yeah, so he's being indicted, you know, on money laundering and conspiracy charges. And of course, being a professional propaganda, he's celebrating it as one of the best days of his life. But anybody looking closely sees a rotting slab of meat. So we'll see how this story ends. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he's a great fan of yours, Heidi. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> is I that, don't is know. that Mr. Bannon on the line? Come and join the conversation. You know, he probably he probably would. He can't help but talk. And again, 
<laughs> it's interesting watching them because they're all still, you know, Roger Stone and Mike Flynn, they're still out there doing like, you know, Dugan propaganda using kind of the same words as sort of the, you know, uh, quote unquote, Putin's brain. And it's also very obvious right now. And again, a couple incredible documentaries just came out that really highlight what people I work with have been saying about Mike Flynn for some time and that, you know, uh, I recommend that everybody go search out those documentaries and uh, report back because a small, you know, group of truly, you know, I don't know, uh, I would I would say something internally must be wrong with these guys' souls to be able to do this kind of work. But, you know, Steve Bannon is still like out there uh, twisting people's brains with his very crafty propaganda. And one of the things I noted they use is a lot of repetition. There's a frontline documentary that I want to point people toward. I just saw a clip of it that had Mike Flynn when he was asked about his brother, Charles, who is a uh, general who leads uh, nearly 100,000 troops. And it was so interesting because he immediately told the reporter from AP that he's never going to talk to AP again. But in one moment, he shifted from kind of doing a Rudy Giuliani almost impersonation to switching and doing Trump, like fake news, fake news. And I thought, wow, I really did wonder if he is not more of a auteur of this as far as the propaganda talking points than I'd ever realized. Because literally in that 90 second clip, you see him doing three different characters, himself, Giuliani, and Trump. Not good company, I'd say. <laughs> yes. Uh, the other area where Trump has to really be concerned is the retrieval of, I think it's something like 11,000 documents from the safe of his home in Mar-a-Lago in Florida. Now, he's gone to court to seek a stay of the uh, retrieval of those documents, hasn't he? He's had, he's had a degree of success in that the, yeah. the judge has said that there's got to be some kind of particular procedure put in place before yeah. the documents can be released. It, it's a little bit complex, but Trump's argument is that they were declassified because he, as president, said yeah. they were declassified and therefore yeah. they were declassified. But the suspicion is that there's, and, and it is only a suspicion, and we have to let the legal process take its due course, suspicion in there that there is highly incriminating evidence against Trump and that there is material there that he certainly should not have as now a, a private citizen. Yeah. There's been highly incriminating evidence on this guy in the Mueller report. You know, there was highly incriminating evidence at the inauguration. You know, he he literally, you know, first days in office invites, you know, Russian KGB guys in there. I mean, Jesus Christ. So, yeah, I think that it's frustrating because he is somebody who has managed to stress test our Constitution like like no one else we've ever seen. But I do think that we can all take a bit of comfort that uh, orange is his color and he will be clad in it soon. <laughs> I wanted to go back to the uh, Nazi salute, by the way. 
Um, oh, the, the Nazi salute, the not Nazi salute. Let's be clear, it wasn't exactly a sea Kyle. Let's be strictly accurate about this. But another Republican candidate had people raising their arms in a similar way. Yeah. This yeah. summer, you've seen that clip. Yes, in Pennsylvania. It shouldn't surprise anybody because these things aren't organic. They're plotted, they're scripted, they're produced. You know, I don't know if this is a Mark Burnett production, but it's something like that. They usually get their talking points. And one of the ways you know is that when a big truth breaks, it usually takes a little while before all the uh, suicide trolls actually get all their talking points and they start talking in a coordinated effort. It's much like this. So, you know, uh, yeah, I saw that too. I mean, we have to take this really seriously, but we also have to look at this as the escalation of desperation because their numbers are shrinking. Polls aren't looking great. They may have to, you know, cheat in order to get, you know, to get in. We know that that is a concern, you know, challenging election results. Those are the things that are really happening underneath the headlines. Ann Nelson and I wrote a big fat, you know, article about that in Byline Times a year ago, all the different ways that their operatives funded by dark money, Council for National Policy are going to be, you know, um, wreaking havoc on our voting outcomes. And so that is serious. But again, I go back to the Wizard of Oz framework, you know, small men behind curtains. And uh, I do think the clock is ticking. And again, we just don't have a lot of time. Mm. The not Nazi salute, by the way, the other one I'm referring to was at a rally for a guy called Doug Mastriano, uh, right-wing Republican. I mean, of course, they're all right-wing if they're Republicans, but a, a far-right uh, Republican uh, at one of his rallies. And I, I think people were being asked to pray. If, yeah. If I read the clip. Yeah. But again, they, yeah. they, they were being asked to pray, but <laughs> the raising of the arms, it's, it's curious. It's curious, to say the least. One more thing, Heidi, before we go, is, is that there was a report in The Guardian in the UK, and they'd got some exclusive information uh, about the Proud Boys. This is one yeah. of the, the, the groups that was present on January the 6th, one of the pro-Trump groups, and the suggestion, again, of, of organized violence here. Well, I think the concern is the uh, military style of organization, military style of writing. We obviously know that members of law enforcement have been involved with these extremist groups and extremist militias. I think one of the big things I learned from one of the episodes of RadPod was that we have to be very concerned about members of our military as they're exiting and entering, because that's when they tend to be the most vulnerable. It is, you know, horrifying when you look at how religion is being co-opted and part of this, but it does you know, again, listening to, I recommend everybody, actually, I'm going to try to see if I can find it. I'm retweeted in real time. But Professor Butler's very, very uh, incredible lecture, she talks a lot about this. She's a professor of religion. But she basically said, we've been looking at things wrong, like, really, what the Republicans have 
become is like a religious extremist party. And what the evangelicals have become is basically a political party. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. Uh, just uh, so people are aware, again, this, this Proud Boys leaflet or document, really, 23-page document, it kind of outlines the planning that goes into their events. And I think this is a, a planning for a, a demonstration that never actually happened, but it just shows how well prepared they are, how meticulous their planning is. And this was a group that was involved in January the 6th. Uh, to finish, Heidi, you know, we've talked about the cult of Trump, and I know that's something you've talked about on the radicalised pod. Do you think that is a, an appropriate way now to, to think of Trump as some kind of cult leader? Oh, yeah, and has been for some time. And his cult is dwindling, which is why I think these desperate men become so dangerous. And then I also think it's very important that we also look at the people who have been radicalized by him and radicalized by these military operations and radicalized by Russian propaganda as victims too. So I think it's very important as we have these conversations with our neighbors and our friends and many people that we no longer talk to, we just have to have a bit bigger hearts. And I, for one, knew I was going to be voting for Joe Biden back in 2017. I knew he was going to be the band-aid we needed on this uh, very hard time never expecting him to be as wonderful a president as he is. I just wanted someone to stop the bleeding. But the fact that he did a very historic speech calling out MAGA Republicans, the fact that he started calling this semi-fascist, semi-fascism, and semi-something is very good because it's a little bit belittling, which is, I think, kind of a subliminal message there. It's time for that. It's time for that conversation. And people have to decide now, are they going to stick with this dying brand that's going to, you know, ultimately, you know, the jumpsuit will match the skin of uh, Trump? Or are they going to try to seek, you know, I don't, uh, people have to, just like addiction, people have to come out of cults kind of on their own time. But we can be more gentle as a society, as we bring people out, Hard to say, I know, when we know that there are people heavily radicalized and heavily armed, but Trump has a very short window to try to stir up some kind of civil war and sort of, you know, try to dodge his ultimate destiny, which will be indictments and hopefully imprisonment or hopping on a flight to Moscow, whichever comes first. But I think <laughs> as a society, we have to look at de-Trumpification like denazification. We have to we have to find a way to become whole again. Mm. Right after the victory of Biden, the defeat of Trump, CJ Wilman spoke on this podcast and spoke about a new American civil war and said just because Trump has been defeated, it doesn't mean this is over. And you're demonstrating that amply with every word you say, Heidi. Thank you so much. Uh, Heidi Kuda, listen to much more of Heidi on the brilliant Radicalised pod, Radicalised with a Z, the American spelling rather than the uh, British spelling, uh, Radicalised pod. And uh, I'm Adrian Goldberg. This has been Byline Radio, or if you're listening on Catch Up, the Byline Times podcast. And this is all funded by subscriptions to the Byline Times. We don't have any rich backers. 
which is good because it means that we don't have to dance to anybody's tune. But it does mean that we're relying on people like you to fund our work. So if you can, please take out a subscription to the Byline Times. You get more details at bylinetimes.com. That's at bylinetimes.com. Heidi, thanks very much. See you soon. Cheers now. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Take care now. Cheers.